0: Man. Again, good morning, church. Um, the uh, title of my lesson is Striving uh, for um, Your Version of Perfection. And uh, we're going to, um, I'm putting the emphasis on, on your version. Um, you know, with every title, you, you always want to have, you know, some, some sort of compelling uh, gimmick. Um, and the word your is that that compelling gimmick there are two there are two things that i want to start off by by talking about this morning um or talk about right now before we get into the lesson and the first one is is um it's important uh for each and every one of us as members of the body of christ and and i think i've maybe given a lesson on this before uh to not uh You know, look across the street and try to keep up with the Joneses from a spiritual standpoint. Um, There are a lot of great men and women on the planet Earth. Certainly a lot of great men and women in the Church of Christ. Um, You know, there are individuals who who can, you know, memorize things backwards and forwards. You know, their their information recall is quick and accurate. Um, there are others, you know, when they open their mouths, it doesn't matter what they say, it, it's almost as if it's words of poetry. They can, they can, they can sway people. Their, their physical demeanor, the, um, you know, their, their, their knowledge, <clears throat> their syntax, all of those things works to to their benefit. You know, even so, there are others who may not, who may not have those gifts per se, but. Have the gift of of art and music and and hearing pitch and can can sing um, almost an angelically um, you know there are others who um, have the ability to uh, of empathy um, you know they can see the forest through the trees they can hone in on uh, a person's issue and and provide sound uh, advice to address that you know there are there are so many um, gems, if you will, in the in certainly in the Church of Christ. And for all of us to aspire to be the brightest of gems, um is is really a vain pursuit. Um I I can I could go back to the book of Ecclesiastes and talk to you about um what, you know what Solomon had to say about that. <clears throat> certainly, you know, when you look into the scripture, uh me personally, um I well it would it would be a struggle for Thomas Garner to be as meek as Moses. Um, I am certainly um not in the same ballpark from a wisdom standpoint as Solomon um, you know my my durability um my dedication pales in comparison to the durability and dedication of of a Paul um or even a Timothy or a titus for that matter um you know i am i you know my my ability to be a good friend um probably falls short of the ability to be a good friend that barnabas displayed uh being the son of consolation um but does that make me um a better or worse christian a better or worse servant for god uh, does that mean that uh um i am disadvantaged or i'm behind the eight ball as it pertains to Making heaven my home. And if I do make heaven my home, uh, will Paul, Moses, Solomon, Abraham, Barnabas, Titus, Timothy, um, those men of the Bible, and, and certainly the women of the Bible, Lydia, uh, Deborah, um, uh, Ruth, Mary, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, th- because I can't live up to that spiritual, you know, I guess I would say, those those I, I don't have the same resume um i don't have the same talents um and gifts and so forth does that mean that my mansion in heaven is going to be um in the ghetto um on the south side or uh you know <laughs> not in the suburbs um, and i say that uh, i say that in jest because we all know that uh, this New Jerusalem that we all aspire to be citizens of, and that we're all going to be on the same street. in second Corinthians, the tenth uh, chapter, um, Paul talks about this in great detail that um, one of the, the failures uh, of, a, of a Christian is to is to compare ourselves to others. One of the failures um, that uh, or the pitfalls. Of our journey to perfection um, and completeness can be seen in the fact that when we start commending ourselves or comparing ourselves to one another, we lose sight of the ultimate goal, which is to be complete in love, um, and that is the the standard that we should all live by in second Corinthians the tenth chapter. Um, It says uh, in verse number 14, For we stretch not ourselves beyond measure as though we reached unto you. For if we are come as far to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things without our measure, that is of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. But he giveth glory, let him glory in the Lord. Sorry, he that glorieth, rather, let him glory in the Lord. For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but of whom the Lord commendeth. And that's a a powerful message, just kind of setting the stage about, um, you know, the... Uh, the gimmick of the title this morning about your is um, we cannot make our um, measure of perfection and completeness the same measure of perfection and completeness of another uh, of another brother or sister in Christ. And and I'll explain that and parse that out a little bit more um, to, to make it clear. Um, but one of the things that we should all strive to do is be the very, and I know this sounds, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Cliche. Um, cliche. Thank you. Um, is we should all strive to be the very best Christians that we can be, um, with our own set of challenges, our own set of miss um, you know, our own set of gifts. Um, our own shortfalls and imperfections. We should strive to be the best Christians that we can be because it is not the one who commends himself that is approved, but is the Lord that gives that commendation that we are children of His. And um, this is further highlighted in the Scripture reading that we read this morning. Um, And this is where... The other side of that gimmicky word, your stand, uh, comes into play. Um, in Matthew, the fifth chapter, in verse 44, um, and verse 45, uh, where Jesus says, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them, that hate you, and pray for them, that despitefully uh, use you, and persecute you. And and there's a beautiful passage of Scripture in the New Testament. And and this is kind of a a built-in quiz for the day. I would encourage each of you to look for this passage of Scripture. I'm not going to give you the book, chapter, and verse. Um, But the passage of Scripture says, As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. And Paul, that kind of gives you a hint uh, as, as to who wrote this, Um, What Paul is is saying, and and we know that Paul's words are God's words because they are the inspired words of God. So God is telling us in this passage of Scripture that as much as lieth in each and every one of us individually, that we should live peaceably with all men. Now, there are some brothers and sisters on this phone call that if somebody calls you out of your name... um, you know based on your your current uh your current level of faith um based on the gifts that you have today that it is going to be difficult for you to love your enemy <laughs> um if they despitefully use you or persecute you um does that mean that you are worse off or or a, a worse child of god if Um, just because you can't turn the other cheek and, and be like another brother and sister who may not act as you would in that same circumstance. But the passage of Scripture again says, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven, and this is the um, the your um, part, which has nothing to do with us. But your is is a um, is an homage, if you will, to to say that God, we want to live by your standard of perfection and completeness. Um, we want to be like you and we want to be um, your children, as is written here in verse number 45, that when we do find ourselves in situations where um, others were us, that we would still show them the same measure of love. Now, the scripture goes on to say that just showing love to those who do good to you is is not unique. It's not... uh, um, It it is not... uh, Um, it's not compelling it's not anything different if you will than the publicans or the tax collectors or the politicians Uh, we all know what what politicians do right they'll they'll say if you scratch my back I'll scratch yours Um, you know that's not uh, that is not the measure of love that is not the perfect love that is not the complete love that God wants for all of us his children to have Um, And that's not how he wants us to act. So he concludes in verse number 48 by saying, Be therefore perfect, even as your... Again, the the word. Your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Does that mean we have to be like God? I mean, let me rephrase that. Yes, we do have to be like God. But does that mean that we have to... um, have a uh, okay. So in the book of Hebrews, Jesus um, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Okay, are we? Can we be equal with God? That question is <laughs> silly even to ask. We know the answer to that. We can't be equal to God in his um, in his love, in his compassion, in his patience, in his long suffering. Um, in his power, in his might, in his um, not obeisance, but uh, omnipotence. Um, We can can never equal God. He is the Almighty. He is the um, all-powerful. He is our Father. But what this passage of Scripture is saying is that we need to be perfect or complete as our Father which is in heaven is perfect and complete. And specifically, He's talking about love. I could baptize one individual. As a matter of fact, I think I've only. I think, if I'm if I've got this right in my mind's eye, I've only baptized. And I don't want to say only, because then again, I'm I'm using a comparison relative to others, but. Um, I've only um, actually baptized or participated in the baptism, meaning I was in that in in the in the baptismal and dunked a, another person under that under that water twice, maybe once or twice. Um, can't recall. Um, there are certain brothers and sisters. Sorry, not sisters. No disrespect, but there are certainly brothers in the the Church of Christ who probably have. Baptize hundreds maybe thousands of individuals over the course of of their ministerial work if I were to use that as a measuring stick for righteousness or use that as a measuring stick of of my uh, fulfillment of serving God I'd be behind the eight ball I would I'd need to I need to have to pick up my game I need to you know really get out there and, and try to baptize 3.5 individuals for the next you know 15 years in order to catch up. I'm, I'm, I'm just throwing out a word there. Um, but we know that's not the case. The only thing, the only measure, the only um, measuring stick for all Christians is love is love for God because there are only two commandments. In the New Testament Scripture, and both of them pertain to love. And in order to make heaven our home, we have to comply, we have to, be, um, we have to uh, achieve or do, uh, abide by those two commandments. And those two commandments are that we are to love God with all our hearts, our minds, our souls, our spirits. That's the first commandment. And then the second commandment is like unto that, that we should love our neighbors. And so those are the only two commandments that each and every one of us on this phone call have to measure up to, and that is the only two commandments that it that pertains to this verse here in Matthew five and verse number forty eight about being perfect and complete that we as as we all go through our all go through our own individual journeys, which again are fraught with pitfalls and challenges and setbacks that we Learn and grow towards completion in in our love for God and our love for one another. If you have your Bibles, um, we're going to skip even further back in the Scripture. Go to uh, Proverbs, the uh, 12th chapter. And in Proverbs the uh, the twelfth chapter, um, look at uh, verse number ten. Now this is this is an amazing verse here that um, I think really speaks volumes to to how God views each and every one of us individually in the aspect of of righteousness. In the Proverbs the twelfth chapter in verse number ten. Um, Solomon wrote here, "A righteous man regardeth the life of his beast, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel." And I got to thinking about uh, the the story that we've talked about many times. I believe it's in uh, the uh, it's in Third John. If you remember the story of Diotrephes and Demetrius. Now, Diopterphes is described as uh, being the, the head of a congregation. He is a great man. Um, I, 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 based on his position, I would say that he was probably eloquent of speech. He was probably well learned in the scripture. His demeanor was probably upright all the time with a straight back. Uh, I can imagine Diopterphes being a, a well taken care of person. You know, nice shave, hair was always in good condition, clothes were impeccable. And in Third John it says that Dioptrophes uh, did not welcome, did not uh, embrace, if you will, evangelists from other areas, from outside uh, his realm of influence because, number one, he wanted the preeminence among the congregants that he was in charge of. Now, if we were to look at who Diopterphes was, would any one of us say that he was a righteous man? I mean, just outwardly looking and we'd say, yeah, he was. And if I were the type of person that um, did not understand that the, measuring, the, the rule of measure that God applies to all of his children is the rule of measurement of love, I would say that I'm lacking relative to Diopterphes in some way. But we find here in Third John that Dioptrophes was lacking more so than anyone. In that he did not show love for those traveling evangelists because he wanted to have the preeminence. You look back at what it says in verse number 10 of Proverbs, the 12th chapter. You know, the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. Dioptrophes showed that level of mercy. To those evangelists, those brothers and sisters um, who were coming through spreading the gospel. But conversely, it talks about Demetrius. Who was... I I think of Demetrius as not being as eloquent of speech. Not being um, as proper or straight up and down with his spine. Not of impeccable clothing. But rather, he was known because of his love. It says... uh, in uh, the 12th verse of 3 John, Demetrius hath good report with all men, and of the truth itself, yea, and we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true. And you know, the reason why Diotrephes was, uh, excuse me, Demetrius had a good report with all men, in spite of maybe the fact that he had only baptized two people. Or the fact that every time, he thinks of a scripture, he has to go back to the book and find it um, because he has a stutter, because he has a slight limp, because his clothes are wrinkled or his hair is disheveled. That wasn't the reason why he had good report with all the men. The only reason why was because of his love and that's and because of his love, he was a considered a righteous man, and going back to what it says here in Proverbs the twelfth chapter. Uh, in verse number ten, a righteous man regardeth the life of his beast, even the lowliest of of you know his his beast of burden. Let's say, whatever that may be. A righteous man is one who shows love, even for his dog, or his cat, or his subordinate, or his cow. You know, the the righteous man is one who regards the life of those under his charge or her charge or those lower than him. And to regard the life of of his beast means that he loves the life of his beast. He cares about the life of his beast. He has compassion with his beast. If his beast needs something, he provides that to them, out to that beast out of love. And that is the measure of of righteousness is love. In all sorts of passages of Scripture um, you can find that and certainly in 1st in Corinthians the 13th chapter where it talks about charity um, certainly there it says that if you have power to, to move mountains, power to uh, to do all of these great things, if you do not have love it is of no value. It is like, uh, as they say, um, uh, a tinkling, tinkling of a symbol, I believe is, is how the verse says that. Um, it is of no value certainly to you, and it is of no value to God. If you do not have love, then all of us will fall short, because love is the only measuring stick that God will use when we stand before the judgment seat of God. If you have our Bibles, uh, I've got two more verses and I'll conclude. Um, In uh, Hebrews, the uh, fifth chapter, and we'll read into uh, Hebrews, the sixth chapter. Starting Hebrews, the fifth chapter, in verse number 11. It says of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when the time ye ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And what are those first principles? I mean, the first principle of the oracle of God can be encapsulated in John the third chapter and the 16th verse. And quiz for the eight: what is the active word in John, the third chapter, in verse number 16? It's a four-letter word, and it starts with L. Love, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. So, as it says in verse number 12, that, you know, if you become dull of hearing, um, Maybe it's time that somebody teach you again the, the first principles of the oracles of God. We know that God is love. Um, we know that with that same love, God sent his son. And with that same power of love, God raised his son. It goes on to say in verse number 12, And I become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is obeyed. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Chapter six, verse one. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God of the doctrine of baptism and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and the eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew again unto repentance, seeing they crucified in themselves the Son of God afresh, and put him to open shame. So that is the, you know, it's it's encapsulated in, in those verses there, the, you know, what we ought to be doing, that we should be moving forward, um, moving beyond those basic, sorry, those first principles of the oracles of God and moving forward in our perfection and completeness not in you know memorizing the scripture not in singing or perfecting our singing voice or perfecting our prayer you know i i was i don't know it it agitates me um sometimes when i when i hear a brother deliver prayer and um it's almost as if he's trying too hard to to find the right words. There's no need to really find the right words because we know we have a Holy Spirit which maketh utterance unto God with words that we cannot understand. We don't know the things that we need to pray for to begin with. It's the Holy Spirit that says that perfect prayer on our behalf to God. So it's not about practicing your prayer, practicing your syntax, making sure that that's tight um making sure all the i's and the, uh, are dotted and the t's crossed that's not what um the scripture wants us to be um, in the context of being perfect and complete the scripture wants us to be perfect and complete and our love for god and our love for one another if we can do that um and there's a number of ways there's a number of mechanisms um, that help us along that way. Um, if you go and you look at James, the first chapter, um, you know James tells us to count on all Job when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that as we survive or get through those those temptations, it it perfects and works upon our faith. I think it's in First Timothy where it talks about studying to show ourselves approved, um, and in doing so, we will be furnished unto all good works. There are things that we should be doing every single day to grow perfect in our love for God and for one another and learning from the lessons that we all go through in our lives Um, and, and learning how God shows his love in all those various challenges. You know, God loves us. He's a loving father in that He will give us a righteous means of escape. So we learn about our love of God, or the love of God is reinforced when we find those righteous means of escape. We get beyond those trials and tribulations, those temptations. And thus we learn to put our faith more and more in the love of God. What are all of the things here in the scripture referring to, if not God? So when we study God and we put those, the things that we have learned uh, from the Word of God into practice, in essence what we are learning and what we are practicing is love because God is love. You know, when Jesus says, turn the other cheek, if you study the scripture, you will learn exactly what that means to turn the other cheek. You will learn when God says, I am vengeance. And you're not. I'm not. If somebody does something wrong to us, in essence, to turn the other cheek is to our first inclination, if we have perfect and complete love, is to not hit back. But as a loving person, turn the other cheek. In 1 John, it says that perfect love casteth out all fear. Do you love... Or is your love predicated on fear? Or your lack of love predicated on fear? I guess is a better way of saying it. Do you love the white supremacist? Can you say that? If a white supremacist were, come, were to come up to you and say, I dislike you because of your skin color. And because of your genealogy. What would you say to them? Or would fear rule the day? Here's an analogy that I, I think is a, a better a better way of looking at this. And then I'll conclude. This is this is a Thomas Garner ism. Um, and if, if if this doesn't work for you, I apologize, but this really works for me. If I were a superhero and I were indestructible, meaning not only could not only could nobody kill me? Could nobody harm me? Can nobody scratch my skin? It didn't matter what anybody would do to me. They could not physically cause me harm. Coupled with that is the confidence of knowing that in my indestructibility, if I even simply breathed on somebody, I would break their bones. Let's say, for example, I, again, I were Superman. I I could shoot... Um, lasers from my eyes and if I were Superman and I were in a crowd of people who hated me just because of what I looked like and who I, and my genealogy and they were spitting on me they were throwing stones at me and, and mind you I'm Superman I'm indestructible they can't harm me what would I do in return Would I look at them and say my goodness look at these people they, would, I, would I show them compassion and say they need God in their lives? Or would I turn on my laser beams and lay waste to the entire crowd of them? Well, I would say that if I were Christ-like and I were a superhuman and I were indestructible, I would have the confidence of knowing. I wouldn't have fear, I guess is my point. I wouldn't have fear of what they would do to me because they can't hurt me. And because they can't hurt me, I would be able to show them perfect love. Mm-hmm. Because I wouldn't fear the, the persecution or the bodily harm that they would enjoy inflicting on me. But none of us are superheroes. But yet we are. Each and every one of us has the Holy Spirit inside of us. And that gives us the superpower ...of unconditional love. Now you may not be able to yield or wield that power as of yet... ...because you have fear. But if you continue to study... ...if you continue to grow... ...if you continue to survive those trials and tribulations... um, ...if you continue to expound upon your faith... ...which at the very pinnacle of that is brotherly love... ...then you will be able to stand in that crowd as a superhero... Just like Jesus did when he was uh in the judgment hall with all of those Jews, you know, yelling at him and spitting on him. He knew what was going to happen, but he was untouchable because he had perfect love. And that's uh that's what I hope for myself. That's what I hope for for all of us here on this call this morning. Um that we will have the confidence of love, or we will put our, we will place our confidence in the power of love. So the lesson is yours this morning. Um, if you're here and uh, you've been, you've been wrangling with this this particular topic, just understand that you are an individual that's a part of a family, that's a part of a body. If the hand Looked at the eyeballs and said, "You know what? I wish I was like the eyeballs. The hand would not be able to do what the hand does. So be the hand. Let your other brother and sister be the eyeballs. Let your other brother or sister be the feet. Let your other brother or sister be the armpit. Whatever that case may be, be who you are and be the best that be the best child of God that you can be." And being the best child of God that you can be has nothing to do with memorization, recall, dress, physical appearance, etc., etc. It all has to do with love. Love to the best of your ability today. Love to the best of your ability throughout the remainder of your life. And you will hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So, the lesson is yours. We have the urge. If you have a need uh, or a prayer request um, for anything, um, after we sing the song uh, of invitation, uh, the floor will be up, open to you to uh, make that request. So, the lesson is yours. Thank you very much.